0: Jason,
1: how you doing today, buddy? I'm good. Chris, how about you?
0: This is I'm doing good. This is episode twenty,
1: right? Twenty, yeah. We are moving right along. Excited was, about this. Just to talking to somebody over the weekend, I was like, we're hitting episode twenty. I know. That's like four a month. That's like, we've been doing this for five months. Uh, is that the math? Yeah, at least. That's crazy. Well, and they, you know, there was some pre-planning to that. I can't just. We can't just right. jump right into it. I'm glad, I'm glad uh, you and I don't mind hanging out together. Right. <laughs> this this has been a good habit. Put up with me, Jason. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we're in the middle of spring break heading yes. into hopefully warmer days and ah, please. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Life ready. good? Life is good.
0: Life yeah. is good. I'm ready for the warmer days too. I'm looking yeah. forward to some weather and getting some getting outside
1: and doing some things. So I know. We had a little blip of it and then there was frost on my car this morning. Yes. Yeah. And that frost is... I was like, okay. I was like, it's not much, but... Well, and I could even
0: yeah. do it if it was warm during the day. Like, but right. it's not been warm during the day the yeah. last couple of days, so it's just kind of
1: been... And the wind's been blowing, but yeah. yeah, whatever. We'll get over it. Soon. Before we know it, we'll be like, man, it's so sticking hot outside. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'll come full circle. So... Right. So what's uh, what's going on? I mean, as you going into the spring, I assume business is ramping up and yes. with Stillwater and home renovations and things like that. What's yeah, what's so, going on in that world right now?
0: Uh, yeah, I noticed a cycle last you know over the years of doing this. It's this is about the time that people start thinking as the weather starts start warming up that um, people start thinking about doing more and more projects. And so mm-hmm. we get we're getting a lot more phone calls right now and setting appointments to try to get out and try to. Uh, see everybody's projects and see if, uh, they're, if they would like us to come and do some work for them. So we are booking okay. out like crazy. So that's cool. That and you're out. quite a
1: few months out, is that right? Yeah,
0: currently we're just about um, – I think we're booking
1: for June. So,
0: uh, wow. Yeah, so um, I think that's accurate. Um, so if you're
1: thinking about that spring deck project,
0: <clears throat> yep. it's probably – Summer, Summer to fall, <laughs> right? So, and I'm, I mean, I'm super excited today because we get to talk to uh, a neat guy about a situation. But I mean, the the supply chain stuff um, yeah. is seriously affecting my business right now. Um, That's crazy, and it's trying. What's the hardest thing to get? Yeah, uh, everything.
1: Everything. Everything.
0: Okay. So, um, besides two by fours, those are those are still there now, but they're just worth gold now. So you yeah, can, you trade in gold bars for um two by fours now. <laughs> <laughs> we just um,
1: we just did a project the other day here at the church. We did yeah. a stage design. Yeah. And I think it was a dollar a foot on yep. on yep. you know and somebody's like, Do you want to throw that scrap away? I'm like, that's a buck. Right? No. <laughs> I'm gonna keep that little two by four I forever. Take
0: two of those to Starbucks, I can get myself a cup of coffee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> true.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Would Starbucks barter? Yeah, they need to start to start right. (laughs) So, but you know, supply chains down obviously, and um, and prices are up. The demand has gone up. So it's this whole COVID thing has definitely um, shifted
1: things. And what's popular right now? What are people doing?
0: Uh, we're doing a lot of bathroom remodels right now, okay. so um, that and basement remodels. So those are seem to be our two bathrooms and basement. Which I gotta say, I I do enjoy both of those, and so are the guys. And so it's been it's been a good fit. So bathroom mm-hmm. remodels have been one of those things that we've kind of um, done for quite a long time, um, and basement remodels we've always done too as well. But um, people are getting to know that we do those more yeah. and more,
1: so we're getting a lot more phone calls for those. So, That's cool, which is great. I know you've been putting some pictures on LinkedIn le- recently. Yeah, and- trying to. Yeah, yeah, some beautiful stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm really beautiful happy stuff. with um, the. We got done with a bathroom remodel not so long ago, and it's it's amazing. It looks,
1: it looks amazing. So okay, so how how would people find that picture? Where did where do they
0: um look? you could probably let's see here? Because on I LinkedIn, think it's, it's on my LinkedIn page. Yeah, actually. it's on Chris Wood, Chris right. Wood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So just um, feel free to friend me or connect me with me on LinkedIn, and um, uh, I think we have some stuff on Stillwater's Facebook page as well. So okay. Stillwater Renovations.
1: Um, Stillwater Renovations on Facebook, yep, on Chris Facebook. Wood
0: on LinkedIn. Right. What's so, your what's your website? Uh stillwaterrenovations.com. Okay. Yeah, is our website which No, and that's in the show notes too if anybody. Yes. Yeah. So we'll connect those up. So yeah. if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to our office number, um 317-775-8133, uh 317-775-8133. Um yeah. So yeah. So dig out your gold bars. Yeah, sting out your go bars, and we'll go <laughs> trade them in for two-by-fours and make your house a
1: little prettier. That's so, right. Yeah. That's right. And plan appropriately on the timeline. Right. Yeah, yeah that is a real thing right now. Yeah, so, that, there's, I know that caught us last year. Uh, we had an outdoor project, and mm-hmm. by the time we were able to get it started, and then by the time cold weather hit, right. um, I've got the second half of the outdoor project to do. Now that yeah. spring's hitting. So it's
0: amazing. Isn't it is. It? I mean, like, it just... And things are... You know, pre-COVID, we could get everything tomorrow. Yeah. Um, you'd order it today and you'd get tomorrow or right. within three days, max. Usually three days. Mm-hmm. Five days was a long time. Right. But now, like, it's weeks. Right. It's just
1: crazy. That so, is crazy. Anyway. That is crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, change happens, right? Right. And uh, one of my favorite sayings, and I don't know if this is can be attributed to somebody. I've never... I've never seen who actually said this, but um, one of my favorite things is that the only thing that never changes is that everything changes. Yes, it's so true. And, and
0: especially in business, like it just, yeah. Yeah. You, and, you try to stay
1: consistent and it is hard because mm-hmm. with constant change. Right. Or if you, you know, your kids. Yeah. Every birthday brings on a whole new set of challenges. It every totally does. Year, every, every school year, sports team or activity. I mean, everything changes. Uh-huh. And it, it forces that. I mean, I see I see this picture in my head of, like, all the great movies where there's chase scenes. Uh-huh. You know, the guys, yeah. you know, whether on a motorcycle or car or running through the marketplace or whatever, you know, whether it's a good guy or the bad guy being chased. Right. That, that's kind of how we feel about change, I think, sometimes. <laughs> right. I agree. <laughs> it's pursuing. It's going to, you know... We can run from it, but sooner or later we're going to have to face it. Yes, you know, I agree. <laughs> and um, you know, so when we think about change, there's a couple of things that um, that help us process through change, uh-huh. whether that's getting ourselves ready for that change or our team, our organization, or things like that. That as we look at this, whether it's something that's being forced on us uh-huh. or it's something that we're anticipating, going, "Well, this is coming down the road." We need to we because that's the other thing I love about change is. I love change if I'm the one orchestrating it, right? Because <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you had time to plan for it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and so there's there's three things that, that you can think through. One is uh, begins with dissatisfaction. That are what is your dissatisfaction with the status quo? What's going on in your world, or you know, what is this change highlighting in your life that you're like, you know what? I'm just not good with this. Mm-hmm. And you know, like we're going to talk about here in a little bit with our interview, you know, the effects of COVID and how that's changed demand, and you know, and this, you know, here's a change forced on us, and and well, now I'm not satisfied with how much toilet paper I have in my closet, mm-hmm. I get, right? You know, or you know, I'm I'm not ready to go out eat at a restaurant, so. Um, I got I to start shopping at the grocery store more, mm-hmm. and now the shelves are empty. So right. there's this dissatisfaction with the status quo of, I need a change. I need to face this change. We need to, we need to process this change. And so here's, here's a realistic idea of what current reality is like, uh-huh. and there's something wrong with this. Right. And that should lead us to, well, what does that look like fixed? What is our vision for the future? Uh you have this dissatisfaction for today, what is the vision for the future? What what does point B look like? like? Uh You know, well, I'd love to see plenty of steaks in the shelf at the grocery store, right? Right. You know, or whatever that might be. Um, You know, maybe it's a change you're processing for your business. Um, What does that look like? Mm-hmm. What What is that preferable future? What does that vision look like? Right. And so once you kind of have a, a realistic understanding of point A, where we're at today, mm-hmm. and you have a, a vision for tomorrow, um, what are the natural next steps you got to take to get there? Right. You know, that um, You know if you want to get from A to B, you don't just jump. You, right. You got to take incremental steps along the way. You got to make that change. Mm-hmm. And so thinking through those three things, of what is the actual process of today you know where am I at today what what is dissatisfying about where I'm at and what is the preferable future mm-hmm. why why is this change enticing what's the benefit what's the what's the what's the payoff if we follow that and then what are the steps it's going to take to get there yeah not only is that good planning for you and your processing of change but how do you lead your team through that uh-huh. How do you walk your team through, you know, okay, here's where we're at today. This is what's broken. This is what's not, you know, this is we're we're not succeeding here. But right. here's how we could. Right. And here's the steps that we're going to take to get there. Are you with me? Right. That if we can communicate those three things, we bring our teams, we bring our organizations, we bring our families along. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, you know, we a little mini organization. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we you know, we, uh, as a family last night, we were, uh, we bought a Groupon to go play laser tag. Yeah. And we're like, oh, this is gonna be great. This is gonna be great. It didn't work out. Oh. So there's this dissatisfaction of going, well, crud, we had this great plan and now we can't go. It's Sunday night. We've got the whole night free. What What are we gonna do? Right. And so we grabbed onto the vision of, well, we want to connect as a family. Mm-hmm. And what are the, what are the steps we got to take to do that? Well, we ended up pulling out this little board game called Quelf, yeah. and we had just the funnest time playing this goofy little board game. That's awesome. That any, at one point, anytime anyone laughed around the table, you had to end it with a pig snort, <laughs> which just perpetuates more laughter and then suddenly – It's – you're not even playing the game anymore. Right. That's hilarious. (laughs) So these three things added together, dissatisfaction with the present, Mm -hmm. vision for the future, next steps of how do we take it there, those three things have to be matured to the point that it's greater than the resistance that we have toward that change. Right. Because there are some serious things that that will prevent us from making a needed change, even if we have – the dissatisfaction. Even if we have the vision, even if we know the steps, there's resistance to that. Right. And so we're going to save that for next episode. How's that sound? That sounds good. We're going to talk a little more about resistance next time. There what resistance to change might look like. So, um, so if you're listening today and, and <clears throat> thinking about a change coming down the road, um, define those three things. Define that of you know what what's broken today. Mm-hmm. How am I dissatisfied? What does fixing it look like? Mm-hmm. What does that vision look like? And what are the, the what's the next right step that I can take right. toward getting to that future? I love it. And we'll talk a little bit more about that resistance next week.
0: Well, so, I'm, and it is a great opportunity um, today to talk um, about change because, yeah. I mean, I'm so glad you brought this up because our next um, interview is with Riker. And I, I think that... Is a great time to talk with him. So if you want to tell yeah. us a little bit more about him. Yeah,
1: Riker Franson is a young leader in our community who um, you know, grew up here and, and graduated here in town, but uh, has come back in part of his professional life and his family. They have a... a i uh, have been married a few years, and they've got a newborn, mm-hmm. four-month-old, and yep. um, that they're learning about change in their lives. <laughs> right. That's a constant change. Um, but Riker, was uh, his degree is in uh, supply chain management. Mm-hmm. And clearly, the last couple of years have changed everything. Right. When it comes to product demand, lead times like we were talking about with Stillwater. Uh-huh. I mean, everything has shifted. Everything has changed. And so I'm looking forward to kind of getting an insider view. Yeah. I writer's eyes on this.
0: Yeah, so, I'm really curious to know um his his insight on this. So yeah. So let's jump over and sounds
1: good. Listen. Well, hi, Riker. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good. Glad you joined us today on the podcast. Thanks for thanks for being here. Yeah, glad for to be here. Spending yeah. some time with us today. Yeah. yeah. So we, wanted, we would like to just start out with, tell us a little bit about um, kind of your upbringing, your, your formative years, where you come from, and
2: family and stuff like that. So knowing Jason and Chris, uh, I grew up in Greenwood, Indiana, and I, I grew up at the same church that uh, they both go to. And... uh I know Jason works at so uh, that's how I know them I moved here in the first at the end of the first grade and uh, lived there until I was 18 um went to IU Bloomington and that was a great experience and so uh now I'm back and I'm local so yep. I never thought I'd be that kid who uh, lived 10 minutes from home uh but I am and so it's what, great. what was your degree in? Uh, I've got a degree in supply chain management and a couple of Co-majors in technology and business analytics, but those are like minors. So, okay. so mostly supply chain, is uh, is how I like to phrase it. So, at uh, the business school. So what what's involved in a supply chain degree? Right. What what kind of classes? Um, you've got you've got your operations management, which is like balancing an assembly line, uh, so things like that, or balancing a queue line, like you're waiting in line at uh, I don't know your favorite uh, Chipotle or something. Right. Um, then you've got classes on um, inventory planning, which is where I spent, um, that was my favorite class, inventory planning and analytics. Um, and that's that's deciding how much to have on the shelf or off the shelf um, to make mm-hmm. sure your inventory is at the right place at the right time. Uh, there's also some sections on logistics, making sure if you had to run to the store to buy one roll of toilet paper at a time, it wouldn't be very efficient. Uh, but you buy them in packs of 20 or mm-hmm. Toilet paper math is pretty interesting. You know, <laughs> 72 mega rolls, all right? What does that equal? He said toilet paper math. It's interesting. Okay, keep going. It's ridiculous. That's what I mean. <laughs> um, so so those are some of the basic classes um, focused on supply chain. Uh, on the other side of it, you have things like econometrics or other classes that, are, that I don't even remember the name of. But right. You're doing crazy statistical math. I use it. I use it. Actually, I work for an inventory analytics company right now, so mm-hmm. uh, I use it more than I thought I would. Hmm. Uh, but but there's that side, and then then there's a lot of the technology management where you learn how to code a few things and how to use databases and that kind of thing. So right. you combine all that, and that's how you get uh, my little my little niche in the world. That is. That's super cool I didn't even yeah. know that type of stuff
1: existed that is that's really cool so you landed you you've now landed a job in what you said was your favorite class of the inventory management and planning mm-hmm. um, but tell us a little
2: bit about your career post college what um, where you landed and, and kind of how so coming out of college i I got a job at um, a company I'm not going to name it um, but if something sounds too good to be true it certainly is I thought I was going to make a massive amount of money for a new grad, and I know people who made it, but right. there's a reason. It's a pressure cooker. Um, think think big law or uh, investment banking, and I don't regret trying it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it wasn't fun. It was pretty terrible. When uh, you say pressure cooker environment, explain that to me. Um, <clears throat> Just like constantly on the. So so when I when I say you you've got to have very high performance and it's upper out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think consulting can be like that, too, uh, mm-hmm. if you think um, where if you're not absolutely thriving, you're you're out. Mm-hmm. Um, Constantly cutthroat. Yes. You're competing against each other, uh, which you think it was for an auto parts distributor. It doesn't necessarily sound yeah. sort of sounds yeah. odd. It seems a lot. Um, you know, I don't regret it, and and I don't have terrible things to say about the company. If I need auto parts, I, I, I look there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but... There, there was a reason, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it was incredibly hard to work there, and didn't, didn't a, every single person that was hired the summer I was hired, uh, yeah. they were let go or they quit. So really, wow! It, uh, you know, when I say pressure cooker, they were really in there, yeah. um, And this I, involved a, a move for you and yes. and your newlywed bride, yeah. right? I mean, you guys we've been married for a year or two at that point. Been two, okay, but it was our first move out of out of state, so we moved uh, to uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Which I think is about six or seven hours away, and uh, so we were just on our own. And I go and take this job that is just crazy. Yeah. And, and so um, I'm eventually let go, uh, which was pretty hard, right? I I had done well in school. I had jobs, and that I'd been promoted at even in college and and before then. Um, so i I'd, I'd always done decently well. It was everyone has to fail, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. It was, it was one of my first big, I'll say, uh, times where I really had to assess what's going on mm. and, and fail. Um, and so after that, I moved back home uh, mm-hmm. to Indiana, found an apartment, and uh, found a job at a company called uh, Beckman Coulter. Did you decide to, like in that process,
0: right, of going from I have a job to I don't have a job, and then you decided to move back this way? Was that because of the job or just because you thought, you know what, why don't we move back and reassess?
2: there was nothing holding me in Madison, Wisconsin's a great town. Um, but I'll say like two weeks after we moved, they got three feet of snow and, Oh, wow. uh, (laughs) You don't miss that part. I I, I don't, (laughs) there was nothing holding me there. I had a lot of connections, um, back back in, back in Greenwood, Indiana, um, Mm -hmm. with my parents, Mm -hmm. um, folks I, I went to church with, um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, my wife's family. They're mm-hmm. they're in Greenwood and Barkersville and all around. So so I have an incredibly strong strong network and that's that's the value of living somewhere. Uh-huh. And not that not that Madison Madison is a great town. Right. Yeah. I, it just didn't have your network. Yes. Yeah. And and there was value in that network. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and that's why we decided to move back. Plus it's cheaper. Yeah. Uh, and it takes time to cheaper. it takes time to develop that network. Yes. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So then you went from there, and then you came back,
0: and
2: then you found another job. Yep, I found a job as an inventory planner. Okay, and that's uh, what you're currently doing. Sort of. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Go it, ahead. So I found a job at a life science company, um, which that life science is, is certainly a challenging industry, but COVID-19 took took everything on a rocket ship. So if you've heard of a PCR test, mm-hmm. I was a planner for the PCR test, but we did very little PCR. Like We, we sold a few No, we sold some a week, Uh and then we sold a whole heck of a lot more uh, once the testing took off. And and since we were such a small player in the the game, we thought other people would take that business. But the need for PCR tests was just incredible, as well as uh, all the other instrumentation and and research that was needed for COVID-19. Here's an interesting story. So if you've ever heard of Project Warp Speed, right, people – what I didn't know – is that if I don't schedule my production line right, uh, and I, I learned this, they can send me to prison. I've never been – so so. I open up an order, and mm-hmm. they're like, you can go to prison if you don't schedule this first, you know, if based on, like, the U.S. government. Uh, thre- I've never been threatened to do my job a certain way to go to prison. Right? <laughs> and that's just a year, and I don't think I would be the one to take the fall. But right. at the end of the day, it's my production line, and I'm reading this note. That somebody <laughs> forgot to show me and the order was due two weeks ago. Oh my goodness. But somebody just asked, Hey, where it's at. Where, where's this at? And we, we shipped it out in a day or two and, right. and figured it out. But that was, uh, Oh my, that was, that was an eye opening moment, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and it goes to show, right? Project Warp Suite it did jump the line. Uh, <clears throat> and, and, um, but, but it certainly was, it impacted our, our business and, uh, and and every every single part of it. So I I really got to learn how how it is to to take a supply chain and develop it. You start to call suppliers, say, hey, how can I scale up? Because guess what, you needed to scale up your PCR testing. You need to scale up your hardware, everything. Yeah. To get
1: an idea, of scale like pre COVID, say y'all were shipping in say the single digits a month, right? Did y'all go to hundreds or thousands post COVID? I mean,
2: we went to hundreds and then thousands and then multiple thousands and
1: yeah. And uh, so you're talking I, about quick
2: scaling yeah. within months. You're jumping, yes. Yeah. And and so you had to get all sorts of scientists to, and and I didn't coordinate the science team, uh, no. but at the same time, right? They had to rapidly scale up things because guess what? When you when you make when you make a batch of, of cookies at home, right, you can't just triple every recipe and then put it in the same oven. Right. Uh, <laughs> There's no room. And and you have to validate everything when it's something as sensitive as right. PCR testing. It's not like you just you just bake it and it's... It's done. Yeah. No, right. that's yeah. not the case. So, wow. So that was an absolutely wild experience. I, I cut the largest yeah. purchase order I've ever cut, which is more money than I will spend in my life, and it's just incredible.
1: Wow. That's crazy. So, and
2: I, was a. Was uh, managing people part of that as well? Or were you more just focused on the product? I was focused on the product. I uh, I led a daily management meeting, which is sort of um, some people call it, uh, what, what do they call it at other companies? But it was like a daily stand-up. And mm-hmm. it's somewhat similar to some of the agile uh, functions, but it was, it was led towards safety, quality, delivery, inventory, and productivity. Okay. Uh, so I led that for genomics. And... Um, or I led that for my work cell uh, for a good period of time until they moved me uh, to a different section that didn't have one of those meetings, and so I was able to lead that and lead to various projects. Um, I led an inventory meeting for the planners every week, uh, but I did not have like a formal. I mean, you need to approve your vacation through through Riker. No, I did not. I didn't have any formal uh, right. reports like that. Okay. So the next step, then, you're now with uh,
1: right-sized inventory, right? Yep. Okay. Tell us a
2: little bit about that role. So, Right Size Inventory, we offer a software product uh, that tells that does your inventory planning for you. And I, I say do it does it for you. You put in all the data inputs. It's it gives you a planning number, and then you have folks like myself who um, who make sure that the inputs uh, match the outputs. You put something mm-hmm. bad in, you get something bad out. Just mm-hmm. just like anything in life. Uh, however. Um, my role within that is I'm I, uh, I'm in charge of the managed services, which is where we do that for companies. Because what what happened during COVID nineteen is people were so busy they did, they didn't have time to do inventory planning. Mm. And guess what happens over time if you don't do inventory <laughs> planning, your inventory starts to spiral out of control. Right. You don't have enough. You have too much. And both of those, it's the Goldilocks problem. You want you want to be just right. Yeah. Um, and so we found a huge need for people to outsource their managed services to us. So so we do that for companies. Um, and then I also do things like product management, training, onboarding new clients, um, and essentially what's needed for the business. But, yeah. but those are the big things.
1: So what kind of industries, uh, like company size and industries, do you guys deal with? Then? The
2: smallest company we have is... Has has revenues of a million dollars. Well, I think they've grown since then. But they started mm-hmm. when they had less than a million dollars of inventory. Um, we've got several mid sized companies, some distributors who who take things from overseas and and they distribute it in the U. S. Um, all the way to the biggest companies you've you've heard of the the Fortune. I don't know where they're at, but Fortune fifties. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if we have any like Fortune tens, any of those. Depends on where some of those are at. But just the biggest companies that have an incredible amount of administration. So right. you go from one-man show to the largest companies in, wow. in the world. So, oh, wow. so what and, type of industries are you working with personally? Um, life science uh, lately. So that, okay. you know, it's, there, there's that connection. It ties in, yeah. Yeah. And uh, then um, the beverage industry and mm. uh, the automotive like maintenance. Uh, okay. So to keep up a production line, you have something that's known as MRO, um, and so we run um, MRO inventory for several companies. Um, we've done everything from grocery to to production. It's it's mm-hmm. a it's a wide range, and I really enjoy the variety. Yeah. Um, I mentioned life science just because I I got pinged several times by a life science company this morning, so that's, <laughs> that was on my mind. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Okay. Go
1: ahead. go ahead. I'm a to cha- shift I'm, here. So all right, well, let me ask you a question. Yeah. So um, are you seeing like
0: – so you can obviously see when some of these companies are struggling with inventory. And yes. So or is that a common problem in your world? Like a lot of the people that you have are – because obviously with COVID, shifting things and stuff like that, like inventory is a huge thing right now.
2: Uh, yes, yes. Uh, there, there are companies who – um before COVID, we'd see, "Hey, you need you need these huge reductions. You've got all this excess inventory," mm-hmm. and companies still have that. That just didn't go away. But there were there's a large part of the business from from things you wouldn't even think of. Um, there's a large part of it where now they need more inventory and it's one reason why we're surprised that we've still had sales right who needs inventory optimization when you don't have inventory and and i can tell you why you need to forecast your inventory correctly and start to gather that data right. even if you don't have inventory on hand today right mm-hmm. uh, but but i see gigantic lead time increases go from 30 days to 130 right and and lead time is is the delivery time from your supply to to where uh to your warehouse, to your store. Mm-hmm. Um and, and think about in your own life how Amazon was two days and then they were three days, four days, five days. Uh-huh. Um, right at the heat of the pandemic. And maybe now they're they're reducing back down. But uh-huh. it seems I, ordered, like,
1: I ordered something on a Sunday and it's due on a Monday.
2: Yeah. So now they're now they're back down. But yeah. but for a while there when everyone was ordering things online because they didn't have anywhere to be. Uh, or because everything was shut down.
0: I just talked to one of my suppliers last week and he told me it was 70 weeks for one of the products that he has.
2: Yep. 70, 70 weeks. Wow. That's
0: over. It's, I just can't fathom that something would take a year to get over a year to get. This is so crazy.
2: there's opportunity if somebody can come in at 50 <coughs> weeks mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and make that for them. But, mm-hmm. but I understanding that it may be a unique pr- proprietary, excuse me, proprietary product. Right. But, um, it may be stuck at 70 weeks, and, and yeah, there's, no to, there's no financial ar- motivation to get right. around it. But mm-hmm. that that number, you know, 70 weeks, uh, 350 days, is not a, a lead time that is out of the... That's I've seen that, and we simulate yeah. that wow. all the time. Really? Yes. And uh, I always ask about anything longer than a year, right? Because it longer than a like year, you could get somebody to design or build a new product from scratch. But... Yes. It's it's completely legitimate. That's true, I hadn't thought about. What that. do you want to design, Chris? I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, something. Yeah. What do you What'd you order? Uh, and, and no, you yeah. But I don't know that. legitimate. but you could you design it in a year? Hire yeah. somebody to design it and build it and for build you it. in a year. Yeah. yeah. You'd still beat your lead time of seventy weeks. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. That is crazy.
0: But I think it's also the materials to build whatever it is you're building. Like so, say so it was a window, and so I think by the time you got all the raw materials to make it all happen, I think it would. I mean, they're, I'm sure there's special order windows, but like some of that stuff is to get all the materials, raw materials. It's it's a, and I'm wondering if it's a supply issue as well.
2: I would uh, I would hazard a, a guess that say they're they're probably having issues getting their raw materials as well. If they have right. Um, which puts
0: designing something and making it you know sounds good but if you can't get the raw materials you can't get the raw materials
2: so there's an opportunity for the raw material extractors and the mining or whatever yeah and uh, in, in the metal fabrication so yeah there's oppor- just, oppor- opportunities. there's opportunities i love that <laughs> <laughs> so that that touches on kind of
1: one of the things i wanted to go go toward is you know, it's called supply chain, right? And mm-hmm. a chain is designed with all these different links and, you mm-hmm. know, each, you know, chain is always just you know, what's the saying? It's always as good as the weakest link, right? Yes. Right. So talk to us a little bit about uh, kind of your perspective of, the last couple of years, supply chain, COVID pandemic, you know, whether that's toilet paper to, um, you know, uh, there's even, even today, you know, we're, you know, we're past the two year mark. Um, There's a gas station that their foam cups at their soda machines are at different gas stations cups. It's, it's not even their branded cups. And we're still, you know, a little over two years past. So talk about this supply chain and kind of, I assume this is about global dynamics. It's not
2: just about local. I would say it's it's far beyond just Greenwood, Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Or American Dynamics. Or, or even yeah, even American, American Dynamics. Yeah. Um, when I think about a restaurant or a gas station where where you get your supplies, mm-hmm. it's all it's relatable because everyone knows that they, they don't make the phone cups at the restaurant or the gas right. station. They know they don't grow the veggies and
0: mm-hmm.
2: some some of them might grow some of them, but they don't they don't make everything. Uh and, and with that, you've got supply from places like China, uh, places like Southeast Asia, but you've also got supply from places in Europe, Mexico, uh, South America. It's, it, it's worldwide. And one of the interesting things is uh, that, that I think is great. You've got um, Chinese builders who have suppliers in America who then shipped to china and then they ship the finished product back to the u.s right and mm-hmm. that was something that uh first time i saw that i said wow that's an incredible amount of transportation um and and you think about other products like coffee beans how far do they have to go to get grown harvested roasted transported all the way into a coffee bean and that coffee bean goes all over the place to this right. to the mm-hmm. distribution center of the store uh or or your Starbucks or yeah, coffee right. shop right. and then all of a sudden well you still have to go get your coffee or you have to door dash somebody and then then you have to get out of bed and drink it and then you can start your day so that coffee bean has traveled millions of miles right mm-hmm. so it can it can get to your uh your cup of coffee that that I that you need in the morning to get moving and if you think about it in a global perspective there's a lot of different places where that could go wrong yeah and that's that's what we've seen um and, and you can take the big examples. If you remember the Evergiven, I think, or it was the Evergreen, there was a ship that got stuck on this US Canal. And it blocked the entire thing oh, for yeah. everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was there for two weeks. Well, and guess what? Your lead times is 70 weeks. For every product that goes through that, every single ship, which was a massive amount, is increased by two weeks. Well, there are delays at the LA port and the port of Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Well, now your lead times increase by three or four weeks. Oh, and guess what? Um, there's a labor crunch for the people who unload the trucks. There's a labor crunch for the customs officials who inspect it. There's a labor crunch for the truck drivers, and <laughs> there's there's six other things that go wrong, and they stack on each other. Well, well, what started all this, right? So, part of this, people say, oh, well, you know, everyone just stopped working, in in COVID, and yes, that's true, right? Things mm-hmm. shut down, the entire world there for months and and i i had a factory in china that that i talked to and they just i said hey what what's going on and they said oh nobody's at work we've got three people here wow and i said okay when am i going to get my stuff we don't know and and so that that did happen yeah. right um but but in the same sense Demand also rapidly increased because people had all sorts of time. You're working from home. Well, that's mm-hmm. maybe an hour a day. Well, let's say you commuted that you can now go consume things with or you're not spending money on, on your, your vehicle or your commute or eating out. Well, now you can spend it on other things. And so you have a rapid shift in the type of demand. Uh-huh. You think about mm-hmm. um, things like the food industry, the restaurant industry well, guess what? People started eating at home again. And that's why you saw your grocery store shelves empty because the food industry, they had all sorts of food at restaurants, but guess what? They couldn't serve people. And so Mm -hmm. you can't take the mass restaurant style food into the individual stores. And so that's just one, I'm I'm going on all these supply chain problems. That's good. Uh,
1: Which, which totally speaks into the, is your inventory right? right. (laughs) And that, you know, the, the shift in demand and production, Totally blew up a lot of the
2: yes. projections there, and, and so the question is: Will your inventory go back to pre-COVID? Will it? Is there a new normal?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because you don't want to use your COVID demand. Uh, yes, yeah, because you can go find tons of hand sanitizer now. Right, and, and, like
0: and, and next to nothing.
2: Yes, yes, and, and so that's something you know. That's the bullwhip. That's the too much inventory. Now, yeah, I, am I saying that that's the inventory planner is doing it wrong? No. I don't think so. Right. They're doing the absolute best they can mm-hmm. with the information they had. They didn't know that hand sanitizer would be as, yeah, yeah, they they didn't know that demand would fall off. Right. Or maybe or they the... didn't, it's so cheap for them to, you know, mm-hmm. if it's a dollar, they're going to focus on the $10 products before they, you know, they buy some excess hand sanitizer right. that doesn't expire for three years. It can just, right. um, it does take up space. Right. But it's, uh, you know. That's part of the inventory game, and I enjoy playing it every day. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so when did, you have a, when did you realize
1: you had a passion for, for this type of uh, supply chain management and stuff?
2: I first realized I liked inventory planning during my second summer at Allison Transmission. So my first summer I spent on the floor um, working with the UAW team members um, at a distribution center. And... Um, you know, that, that was interesting, you know, being – it was sort of like scheduling, but you, you deal with the day-to-day problems of a distribution center. Well, after that, I got an opportunity to do um, various supply chain analysis problems in mm-hmm. my second summer. And I remember one part, I got, I got to do a safety stock recommendation, and they never – the, the current planner said, oh, I don't want to do that. But then it blew up in his face when he had way too much inventory and it expired and it rusted out. and It, it, said, it told me, like, I've got a way to use – yes, you have to consider reality. You, mm-hmm. you're, you mm-hmm. always have to consider reality with any type of data right. uh, because your historical data is the only thing you know that's true. But thinking is still required. Um, so I get that. But, but I have a passion for mirroring all that up, and that's where I discovered it what I was going into senior year of college. Huh. Okay. So that's cool. That's really cool. So what was the biggest challenge
0: that you've had to overcome in this process of, I mean, cause you've learned a lot, you've had a lot of great experiences, but what's, what's some of the biggest, what was one of the biggest things that you had to overcome in this process?
2: I think it's learning how to, the biggest thing is learning how to communicate at all. Um, cause not everyone thinks the way I do mm-hmm. or and and just because somebody asks you a question of daily management doesn't mean just because you know the response you have to snap back right there because that's not that comes off very. If the plant manager comes and asks you something and you snap back at them, that's not not a great way to communicate. Right. <laughs> um,
0: so, <what> it, <clears throat> and you you're touching on it earlier, so you're marrying the information of that stuff and trying to mm-hmm. talk or provide that information effectively to those around you
2: hmm
1: and so you have to marry reality with the data
2: okay that that's that's a good way to put it yeah
1: hmm. I would like to know because um, I found kind of the makeup of your your team that you work with with your company um I, w- I kind of found that interesting that as you you're at a work from home job but tell us a little bit about your team and the company around you and
2: who you work with and so right sized inventory is a pretty small company um we've got um in terms of full-time employees, under ten, uh, we've got several contractors. We've got several, I'll call them channel partners, who go out and sell right-sized inventory, and they mm-hmm. get a cut. Uh, they're they're almost like sales folks, but they're not they're not officially employed. Right. They sell other tools as well, mm-hmm. um, consultant types to say, "Oh, I can improve your business," and this is one of the pieces yeah. of it. Um, so, my boss is in Belton, Texas, and he is the uh, chief operations officer. And uh, his boss, the CEO, um, is in is also in Texas, but our programming uh, team is split between Hawaii and New Mexico. Um, oh, wow. Our inventor lives in California. Our owner CFO um, lives lives in New Mexico as well, and then I live in Indiana. We've got channel partners all over the world. Oh wow! Um, and that's that's important, right? Because I I can't relate to somebody. We've got some important channel partners in the Middle East. Well. Mm-hmm. As much as I, I'd love to be able to relate, the culture is different than Greenwood, Indiana. Uh-huh. And to relate to people in Saudi Arabia or UAE or any of those countries, mm-hmm. these channel partners can make those connections and, and put us in. And that doesn't mean there's the human side of it, but it, it's also interesting to, to learn yeah. about things from Africa and, mm-hmm. right. and the Middle East and Europe. Uh, and Spain is definitely different from Germany, right? Right, so right. Yeah. It's uh. So that that's some of the distributed nature. I work right. from I work from home, so the uh, that's also interesting, right? I, can, I haven't I haven't had a face to face conversation with my boss since we worked at a different company years ago, probably seven or eight years ago. So oh,
1: wow, wow. So I mean, there's a global aspect to what you do, but your your closest teammates are spread from Texas to New Mexico to California to Hawaii, which probably can't be a bad
2: deal, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. are there any travel requirements there? Right. I, I haven't asked that yet. Yeah. You probably, you should probably should get on that. Yeah, um, it's necessary. I need to go there. Yeah. You, <laughs> prob-
1: you probably have to take your wife. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's work trip. Uh, Yeah, it's. I heard a new term, bleisure, where it's uh, uh, vacation and you know business and leisure. Oh, bleisure, it's a bleisure trip. So, I think that's definitely in your future. You should do that bit. I'll I'll work on that. There you go. (laughs) But the real question, I guess, is what I'm. um, you know like you said, you've not had been in the same room with your boss you know for a number of years. What is it like working on a decentralized kind of remote team? What are some of the things that you you guys focus on? because you've been in person on jobs before you are in the same office, same space.
2: Uh, but how's, how's it a little bit different for you? I would say the biggest thing is, uh, and anyone, you don't get distracted by the coffee talk all the time. Where somebody says, Oh, how was your weekend? And not saying that we aren't impersonal, but there are there are a lot less distractions, which is which is very nice for some people. It may not be for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you may lose some of that dynamic What what is this new idea where where people are discussing these these ideas in a low period mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you have some innovation. Now there, there are other types of innovation, but but sometimes it's hard to recreate that if you're not in the same room or mm-hmm. talking right. through something. There are several tools that make some of this easier. Uh, things like mm-hmm. Microsoft Teams or Zoom mm-hmm. where you can share your screen. You can work on the same spreadsheet at the same time. So, certainly I'd say that, you know, things like that help. Um, but it's, uh, you, you couldn't have somebody who really, really enjoys working with people unless unless they're on the sales side I guess and they're right. and they're they're making all sorts of calls but inventory management software isn't something you you just pick up and buy like you you go to the grocery store and pick up your favorite cereal right. you just it's a long process to decide how you want to do this because there's so many different ways to mm-hmm. to a dude with a spreadsheet to a system like ours or a much more substantial like ERP system where it does everything mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're super focused uh, and and we're we're super focused on inventory and we're going to add on to those ERP systems but you know somebody with a spreadsheet they can say oh this is good enough is it though mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's a uh, working with this team they're great um, but it's certainly a challenge that I've never met my boss in person since I started the job that's that's sort of interesting Yeah, that's really cool. Is there? Do you have any like? So
0: obviously, the the people side of things doesn't bother you as much, and you're able to get. You feel like you get a lot more done in your space. Is there a downside to that? What's your? What would you say is your biggest
2: downside to working remotely like that and not seeing people each day? I would say you you have to be focused, and and it's one of the reasons why I have to be intentional Mm -hmm. uh, about getting getting together with folks. I'd I'd say like even, even like this, this is a good amount of, all right. I mean, we're having a conversation. It's being recorded, (laughs) (laughs) but, but at the same time, it's, it's very intentional socialization as well. Um, And so I have to be very intentional. I try and get lunch with somebody at least once a week, Uh if not multiple times. Um, But also as a new father, it's good to have that, that space uh, taking care of a four month old. It's, um, it's a lot different different. than it was five months ago. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah, and that's great too. Uh, uh-huh. So I would say that uh, I have to be very intentional about uh, the activities I do. And, and COVID-19, right, I think also this is not a unique experience post-COVID-19. There are all sorts of roles that are work from home now. And some people love it and some right. people don't. Yep. And some people are going to be called back into the office. Well, that's not going to happen with me. Right. right? Or if it right. does, then where's the office? We need to make one first. Or, right. Or, there's there's right. going
0: to be a time gap there. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: So um, – plus, all our customers are all over the world, so it makes it even harder, yeah, yeah, yeah. so either wow. I'd be on the road or it, they're, they're, the company I work at now is never going to to do that and um, in, in its current makeup. Yeah. Now, certain certain companies, the manufacturing company I was at, mm-hmm. that has to be done in person because guess what? You can't make it without that tool. You can't just make it in your garage, right. yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, um, so that's cool. Well, Riker, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate kind of this uh, inside look at a part of the world that we don't, right? We just, you know, most of our listeners are going to show up to a restaurant or a store or I'm not think you know, twice about how talk to Stillwater Renovations and yeah. be like, "Hey, uh, I need you to do my flooring for me." in Like seventy weeks, yeah. <laughs> Maybe pick a different tile. <laughs> you know? I thought more about this in the last couple uh, last couple of years than I have than I ever thought
0: I yeah. would
2: have. One, one of my goals is to make supply chain like like boring again. I'd I'd love it if <laughs> if people didn't know what I did, right? Uh, uh, but but everyone knows what I do now. Yeah. Right? That's a real because, thing. Because you say supply chain, and you're like, oh, I didn't get my normal cup at the gas station, which is a pretty inconsequential problem. But right. It's, right. Totally is. Um, it affects all, all parts of our lives. Yeah, is it Absolutely. Chip mm-hmm. shortage. What, whatever. You look at the news, supply chain's in it nowadays. Yeah. Totally. And, yeah. And I'd love for that not to be the case. <laughs> All right. Well, well hopefully uh, getting back into the background of life with in your near <laughs> future.
1: <so. laughs> but thanks again. Yes, I thank Appreciate you. it, man. Thanks for thanks having me, for guys. Right on, right on. And we'll be back here in just a moment.
0: Well, Jason, thanks um, thanks for in, uh, inviting Riker to join our, com- our podcast today. That was just a lot of good insight. I did not... I mean, I've always known that there's a behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. that goes on with supply chain stuff. Um, especially as I'm dealing with it more and more with my company. Right. Um, but I've never got as much detail as I did about it today. And I was just I really appreciated that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think um yeah, just thinking about the complexity of you know, where you said like, you know, we make you know, we raise something here, we ship it over here to have it be made, and then we ship it back. It may hit two or three different continents before it's ever, the product's even made, right? Before it ever comes back to your home. I mean, right? Which is amazing. Yeah, the complexity is off the chart. It's just crazy.
0: And I think I also really appreciated with him is that he was able to go. I mean, the the world's kind of been in a spin, right, for the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. At some level, he's been riding that train from a completely different level than I have. Like as a consumer, it's been more of an issue, right? But he's been um, working with a company that had a product that went from we're producing a product, we're selling a product, to everybody wants our product right? um, overnight at some level and completely having to flip the script and trying to mass produce after that. And then going from that to working in the position he's in now, it's just in dealing with all that. Yeah, Um, demand is just.
1: It was interesting to sit back and listen to that. Yeah, and I hope. I mean, for me, one of the things that kind of kept rolling through the back of my mind was, man, with the complexity behind all this, right, and the necessity during COVID to, to scale, some of you know either either you're scaling up things you didn't know were going to be in demand, right, or you're scaling down things that were in high demand. I mean, how much room for error is in that? Yeah. You know, and for me, on the end user, you know, consumer side of having a little bit more grace mm-hmm. of just going, you know, the guy behind the counter that I'm working with, right? He is only the next to last step of a million before right. it gets to me, yeah. And so I can have a little bit more grace with him or the store. I mean, we're at the very end of that chain, right? And you know, us blowing up over something that happened at step five well it doesn't help <laughs> right and I think that one thing that also hit home was you can't take the food
0: from a restaurant and put it in a grocery store and I was like he's right like yeah. I, I never even I never even thought to put that up uh, next mm-hmm. to each other right because I think some people would think that you go to the grocery store you buy your food then you prepare it and then you serve it
1: Right. Right. In some in some form of capacity. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's not that way at all. Can you imagine going to the grocery store and finding a big box of Chick-fil-A nuggets and be like, I'll take those home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Think a, about it. A, a yeah. Way, but yeah. But I love That's, what uh, I love some of the wisdom, even you know, even though Riker's still on the young side of life yeah. and um He's got a couple of years younger than us, huh? Yeah. But you know, just saying, you know, you gotta fail. And failing <laughs> early really benefited him. Right, That he learned some of, you know, he learned the ropes and Mm -hmm. was like, this is where I fit. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and before you know it, he's got an employer that's calling him right and saying, we got a short list and you're at the top. Right. Well, and then for him to um,
0: go through college and he said, you know, he said, I've had other jobs where um, I don't know if he said this on air, but he had had successes Mm -hmm. in several other jobs where they had promoted him and or, or given him other responsibility, which is yeah. similar to a promotion, um, and then for him to go in a position where it was not comfortable and not the thriving thing that he wanted, and the too good to be true thing, mm-hmm. um, it just it was it was great yeah. to hear that from directly from him. Yeah. So yeah. I hope other people can take away those those golden nuggets from that mm-hmm. because they truly are.
1: Right. They truly were. Yeah. Um, yeah. The whole. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. Is very similar to the get rich quick yep. mentality. Totally, and you know, it's it's easy. Yep. You know, I mean, when and, you're and when you're young, coming out of school. Oh yeah, that's exactly what you're looking for.
0: I mean, yeah. like at some level, you want to be successful. You want to be, you know, leaps and bounds, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And and as a society, as a society and a culture, we like to promote the 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 people who. The one percent that did make that, right? <laughs> you know, the millionaire yep. by age twenty-four, <laughs> right? <laughs> that doesn't happen to everybody. No, nope. that's one in a million. Yeah, exactly. And right. So, what happens to us other nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine people? Right. Some, of that. and everybody can, you know, and trying to make your difference in the world.
0: Right. Coming out of school, right. you have great aspirations to make make a difference, mm-hmm. and in the process, sometimes failure is key. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And we and we overlook the fact that for us to make a difference, it's okay to start with our smallest circle around us. Yes, our circle of influence, our family, our friends, our mm-hmm. coworkers. That uh, eventually we can make an impact on the world. But right, start small. So okay. yeah, yeah. So really cool. appreciated that. Well, hey y'all, if um, you wouldn't give us a like or subscribe or send us a comment or you know shoot us an email. Right, right. Um, if you've got a friend or someone that you know of that is. In a, a relatively unknown industry like this. Yes. What a what a fun what a fun interview. We are looking for some people for some interviews. Yeah, let us know. So thanks for tuning in and yeah, we'll see you next time on Leading and Serving. Sounds good. Have a great week. Take care.